Chickeny China, the Chinese chicken, you have a drumstick and you start listening to a podcast. And if you're going to watch a podcast with no lights on, it might as well be the Super Show podcast, the most premier gaming podcast on planet Earth, hosted by yours truly this week um, and joined by the incredibly embarrassed Chris Joannidis. You've already got your head in your hands. Mate, it's just, the, it, it's a like, I don't know. It's each week, I think, each week that you host, I think you, we cannot possibly get a worse intro than this. And uh, I, hey, I'm pleasantly surprised each time. I mean, it is a Bare Naked Ladies Appreciation Week, and any true Bare Naked, Bare Naked Ladies fan would know that. One man I know who is already joining me in celebrating their vast discography is my other host this week, Mr. Alex Jones. I'm, I'm going to say, it, that intro was straight fire. I don't know what Chris is talking about. He is insane. That was one of the best intros the Super Show has ever had. Listen, listen, think. listen. I'm not saying it was a bad intro, because I like train wrecks, okay? Not the streamer, uh, just like the, oh, right, okay. the, the phenomenon of a train derailing and killing all of his passengers uh and things in that effect so yeah um i know you i see what you are you're a talent hater you're hating on jamie's talents as a fine host and presenter because um you did not come out with a chickadee chicken intro chickadee china the chinese chicken it's the only part of the song that i remember and you so have a drumstick and your brain stops ticking. Watch See, next files when the lights on. Let the I, I, I feel well, like so bang. seen right now. Isn't that what the kids say? <laughs> Where they feel seen, they feel appreciated. Hey, Plus, Chris, this, this is a safe space, buddy. <sighs> apparently not. Apparently this is a train wreck of a podcast. And you know what? The other thing that's going to validate me is not just Josie's lyric knowledge, but also the YouTube analytics, because I can see how many mm. people will stop watching this podcast during that intro, Chris. And if, like, I'm going to say 70 maybe even 60% of people keep listening through all of that, then I've succeeded. It's mission accomplished, baby. That's metrics, baby. I'm with you on that one, for sure. Yeah. The only risk we run ever so slightly in opening a podcast, especially a gaming podcast, with lyrics to, I'd say, one of the best songs of all time, like maybe at least top five, at least top five, is that people can actually listen to this podcast on platforms where said music is available. So Ooh. I hope there aren't too many people who are sat there in front of, say, I don't know, Spotify right now, who have gone, do you know what? I was geared up for the Super Show podcast, but now I've been reminded of the Bare Naked Lady <laughs> Smash 1998 hit uh, one week. I'm just going to go listen to that instead and maybe Fair come enough, back to this yeah. later. Although if you're listening to this, that means you haven't done that, which means thank you, which means you're either sticking with us on Spotify, in which case you're a legend, or you're just watching us somewhere else entirely, like YouTube, uh, in which case, hey, leave a comment down below. Let us know your favorite Bare Naked Lady song. And... Uh, or you could just check us out on another podcasting platform like iTunes or Google Podcasts or uh, interact with us on Twitter. Tell us how much Yo. you love Bare Naked Ladies. Let us know your Bare Naked Ladies tra- uh, uh, like hit track. Yeah. Let us know how many episodes of The Big Bang Theory you watched just to hear the theme song to the show that they did play at the start of every episode. Was that Bare Naked Ladies? Mm. I think it was. I might have embarrassed myself, but mm. I'm, I'm going to stick with it for now. until I get I Let's be honest. What's the film that you always think of when you hear that song by the Bare Naked Ladies? Of course, it is American Pie because it was in the it was one of the uh, songs in one of the intros to one of the American Pies. I don't remember yeah, which one it was. But you know what it actually makes me think of, and um, this is completely wrong. It's Mystery Man. That song. Oh no, it's, it's Mystery Man because I, in my in my mind, Bare Naked Ladies and Smash Mouth are the same band. Oh, uh, I see it because the All Star video is Mystery Men. Yeah, I see. Well, because it was the used in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Is All Star also in Shrek? Am I right in saying yeah. that? Correct, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's maybe, maybe where it got and, its first mini glow up. And and Smash right. Mouth was um, actually in the movie Rat Race at the end of, of the film. Course. Where they, they sang the song. 
and they, <laughs> right. you know, it's like they they were everywhere at one stage. What happened to Smash Mouth? That's um, a very very good question. I think the lead singer like might have like gone mental. Isn't there some weird video of the uh, uh, surface a couple of years ago of him just losing his mind at a very small? <laughs> did concert? he did he do the mental thing, which everyone seems to do? Well, not everyone, obviously, but if you're going to do it, you go full hog in that they get naked and wank in public because that happens to people a lot mm. when they get to a certain does level it, of fame. That was it, the, do you remember the Coney 2012 guy? The Coney 2012 guy got naked and wanked in public. Yeah. Do you not remember that? That's why I always thought that we were too hard on Louis CK because at least Louis asked for permission. And did it on a on yeah. a pop plant. <laughs> oh, no, that was... Um, that was no, that wasn't Louis that was, no, that was, Wasn't that Weinstein? Didn't he like jerk no, off at pop plants or something? Unfortunately not. That was yeah, the, yeah, this is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying, guys. We've, got, oh, no, we've, no, we've gotten to the point in the simulation where bare naked ladies, Smash Mouth, and Guy Fieri are all in the same band and they're managed by Harvey Weinstein uh, and funded by Coney. So, where does Louis fit into all of this? Is he writing a comedy spin off show about yeah. life and times? Okay. About, he's doing uh, no, the voiceover. No, he's, he's writing the, the Netflix uh, comedy special about their comeback now that they've been. Um, They've decancelled themselves because that's that's what uh, tends to happen these days. Yeah, like so have you noticed? Like celebrities, they're just like, yeah, I'm I'm decancelled now. I'm I'm hello, I'm here. I'm decancelled. Although who's decancelled themselves? Uh, Louis C.K. For one, you've got to be careful oh, with well, the word well, comeback right. though when you talk about our friend Louis. Ah, just true. just in case. True. Is it? I feel like he's not all the way back though. I feel like you don't see him. I don't know. Like on mainstream TV, like he didn't get his show back no, or anything, I, did he? I, no, I think he's got a, he's got like a stand up special on one of the yeah. Platforms. But I feel like that's and like the 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 clause that they can like they can do a stand up special. And he had a show in in Kiev. You fucker, did he? To raise yeah. raise funds. No, I remember. I, this was the strangest thing. It was like you hadn't heard anything about Louis C.K. and then all of a sudden it's like shit's kicking off in fucking Ukraine, right? And you're like, oh okay, that's bad. Jonesy's destabilized the region. Fine. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, Louis C.K. is going ahead with his live comedy show despite the invasion. It's like, what? That that's how you get decancelled, is you go to a war zone and you entertain the the people there. I see. That's, maybe that's how you do it. Oh, and you, then it's you, almost like you're trying to. So what you're saying is you need a certain you amount of holier than thou points in order to decancel yourself. This is good information exactly. for us fellas, exactly. because we're quite clearly on a path. Yeah, exactly. And I, I just want, I just want, you know what, like. Just, when Jamie finally gets cancelled, we're yeah. gonna have to go and do a podcast live recording yeah. in like the when, heart of North Korea. When, when Jamie the- get when Jamie gets cancelled, I want to know. I want to walk into the room, all right, and, and much like fucking Jason Bourne, without knowing why, I know that there's three exits and I can jump through the door there. And there's a guy there chewing bubble gum, and there's a guy over there with a fucking stetson on his head, and, and I, he knows how to handle himself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just okay. hey, I just want to be prepared. Okay, it's the, the scout in me. First of all, I am very careful when it comes to who I ask if I can masturbate in front of. Like, the thing that people forget about Louis C.K. is if he had just stopped doing it after Sarah Silverman, everything would have been fine, because she said yes. She was like, yeah, go for it, I'll watch. Um, and that's it. Just, I, I, I like to think she'd say, like, oh, I, I could do it for you. And he's like, no, no, no. This, this is my time. Yeah, exactly. No, I, I don't want you to touch it. Just, just watch. Just me and this plant are going to do our thing. But the other thing that that reminded me of is, I believe there are some people on the internet who do legitimately think I've been cancelled because 
when we used to work on a, um, <laughs> a once famed uh, YouTube channel called All Time Gaming, we had a very small scale subreddit that was created just before we all left the channel. Um, so it was never really populated in any major way. But when people start Googling all-time gaming and trying to find that YouTube channel or any of the videos we made, inevitably some people stumble across the subreddit and some people uh, take to using it to ask, uh, where are these guys and what happened and what was the story? Uh, and one person did that and were met with a response that I believe came from ASB64, if I'm not mistaken, <laughs> that basically said that um, all-time gaming fell apart because I got cancelled for doing something fucked up. I don't even know what the accusation was. Um, and the person who got told that was just like, oh, yeah, no, okay. Oh, like, it made sense. Like, yeah, that that was inevitable. Yeah. But I'm actually I, uh, very careful. Yeah, it, I, would, it would be you. You would be the one to get cancelled now. I'm, I'm, I'm the most careful. I'm so wily, James. I, I, just went to, I just went to r slash all-time gaming, and it says that we've been banned from Reddit. <laughs> what, the subreddit got banned? Yeah, but it's the but fair enough. The subreddit was banned due to being unmoderated. I mean, that's fair. Uh, right. I was a moderator on that subreddit, so I take that personally. So you fucked it. I was putting in work. Okay, I was <laughs> clearly you didn't even know it was fucking banned. Yeah, that's a shame. <laughs> well, in that case, the mystery surrounding my cancellation lives on, and no one knows the truth one See? way from the other. This is this is how you get decancelled. You're a moderator on a subreddit. Something bad about you gets mentioned on the subreddit. And of course, as a moderator on Reddit, what you have to do is just lock that shit down. And the way that Jamie locked it down is he played the long game, just did not moderate at all. And a couple of years later, boom, bing, bang, fucking no more subreddit. Nice. Uncancelled. Yeah. Decancelled. Decancelled. I'll tell you what, okay, this might be fun. And um, it might be an insight as well into um, people that watch this uh, and what they think of us. If we were going to get cancelled, who would get cancelled out of the three of us and what would it be for? Let us know in the comments down below. Because hmm. for me, it's a foregone conclusion that it'd be Jamie. And do you know what it would be? It'd be Jamie doing or saying something and afterwards, when it all, when the dust had settled, he would look at Chris and I with a straight face and go, I didn't even know you couldn't do that. <laughs> or I didn't even know you couldn't say that. And we'd just be like, oh my God, how? You know so much. How do you not know that? And you'd just be like, it would be... Uh, Time changed you know quickly. Well, yeah, you know, I, I think maybe at ATG days, it, it was maybe more clear cut and clear defined who would have been cancelled and for what. But I think, I think since Super Show, I mean, we're we're a, we're a bunch of chill fellas, you know. We don't <laughs> yeah. go, we don't go touching what we don't need to be touching. Plus, like, I think the thing that gets you cancelled isn't necessarily what you do or what you say. But who is around to hear you doing it, or see you doing it, or hear you saying it, right? That's and a good that's point. That's one of the sort of layers of protection we do have here, is we have a very tight-knit community, and um, we also have a podcast so long that no one ever listens to it in full, so most of the shit we say is kind of buried, like, one and a half hours into it, and no one fucking that has is, a clue. You, you know what is the, the fucking, even the better thing? Is no one knows what this fucking podcast is about. We've been going on for, like, what, 10 minutes now? And uh, about, I don't think we've mentioned a single fucking thing about the, the, the G word. The G word that Chris is referring to is, of course, gimps. We like to give people uh, recommendations <laughs> on the kind of dildo. dildo Welcome to the gimp review. You can say gimp, can't you, Jonesy? Or is that another one I've lost track you can, of? You can, no, you can say gimp as long as you don't shame them for what they're into. I think it's fine. I, I, the more the merrier. Joe, you know, one set of people that need no reminding that this is, in fact, a gaming podcast about video games <laughs> is the good people who listen to us over on over on Paisley Radio. <laughs> it's broadcast out on paisleyradio.com on Thursdays at 10 p.m. And it's repeat on Mondays if you missed that. I just presume that if you live for radio and your life is scheduled in such a way, then you know exactly what you're listening to and at what time and what each show is about. 
So you don't need to be reminded that it's in fact a show about games and not a show about gimps, which some people critically do need reminding. Some people have now tuned off because they thought this was about gimps and they're actually annoyed now that it's I not. Mean, it's about it's, games, again, so. if people want recommendations, I picked up a really nice leather pant the other day that fits like <laughs> a glove. Um, like so a glove? We can, start doing, we can start doing affiliate links and shit like that. So I don't even know. I, I would say a website I like here, it. but I, I like it. I don't know which. Uh, I, don't, I don't know where you go to buy a gimp suit in 2022. I'll Amazon. give you some addresses. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm looking at Paisley Radio now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't see us. <laughs> Hold on. No, wait, wait. No, I was looking at the wrong day. Hold on. Hold on. Okay. Oh, no, it's there. It's there. It's there. It's there. Okay. It's there. I, I mean, I, if we weren't on there, I know that we would have been told, but just for like a hot minute there, I was like, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Well, imagine if we were can imagine if we got cancelled from podcasts from like all the podcast platforms from Paisley Radio from YouTube and we just didn't know. We had no idea and we just turned yeah. up every week, recorded well, this. It never went anywhere. It's just us talking to each other. Telling telling being told when something that you or your team is working hard towards has actually been cancelled without you knowing, um, sounds like a luxury that like is a isn't afforded to most people. Most people do get told in advance. But we did learn this week, fellas that it is actually possible for the rug to be pulled from under your feet and a project that you are hard at work on, squirreling away on, can evaporate into mist before your very eyes. Um, especially if you're working on a project for the late, great service, Google Stadia. Oh, which, yeah. Can, wow. we, can we just take can we take a three-second break just to appreciate that segue? Because that was... I thought you were both teeing better. me up for it. I thought that was like a weird sort of you know, non-verbal communication thing that you both started talking about, like cancelling and doing things, like working on something. Yeah, it was. No, no, it was. It, it, it was. It, was. It, did, it did take it you like was. about five minutes, but we got there in the Oh, no, on my half, it wasn't at all. I was just going with the conversation. And Jamie effortlessly rolled it round. It was very yeah, good. Well done, it was very Jamie. good. Jamie, look, listen, of the three of us, you are the segue king. Oh, thank you. I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say this, and I want to, does anyone else feel this? My subconscious is smarter than I am. Oh God! That's, like, let me. I need, to, I need to unpack that. What? <laughs> I, there are things that you would. If you ever do, so when you're in a conversation with someone, and you say something, and they go, "Oh yeah, very good," and you're like, "What?" And then you realise <laughs> that you said something that was like a pun or a or a play on something that you'd never normally say, and it was like, "Why did I say that?" And it's almost like your subconscious is smarter than you are. Like there's a little homunculus in there yeah. going, "Say this, you dumb prick," and then it, then it comes out, and I, it's like. A zinger, and then you don't get it, and then your subconscious is in I, there just thinking. I don't. Mm. I don't have that. I've got. I've got something else where I, like, I could go back and listen to past podcasts, or you know, <laughs> even if I go back and watch some old like ATG stuff, or even go further back than that, and like, let's say I just stumble across like, I don't know, fucking something I wrote on my fucking Facebook wall in fucking uh, two thousand and eight or whatever it fucking was, right? And I and I'm reading the stuff. And I'm like, that's a fucking smart dude. What happened? Like, mm. I have the what, opposite. Why, I am read I stuff. Such, why am I such a fucking dumbass these days? Oh, I read stuff and I'm like, I cannot believe I said that. <laughs> like, genuinely, I can't believe. I'm, I am, yeah, I'm not who I think I am. I'm a lot dumber, um, a lot more, a lot uh, less insightful, and I should just keep my mouth shut more. Wow. Yeah. Wow. No, I, I, I'm on Jonesy's side of that. But I, I do get where Chris is coming from, not when it comes to being you know intelligent or smart or having cohesive thoughts but about humor like i'll watch old videos or old podcasts i'm like how was i so much funnier then like how am i degrading um in my you know it's just covid dude you just just blame covid all the time that's i mean maybe yeah a lack of social interaction and and everything 
to too much masturbation. Yeah. yeah totally. Too much masturbation, not enough social interaction. Um, all leads to a, a bit of brain rot, it turns out. Not, not enough stadia in your life, Jamie. And uh, I'm, I'm holding you personally accountable. I mean, I, I do feel partly responsible. Like, when you, when you sort of, like... This is like when an old person has been on their deathbed for, like, three or four years, and every single day you've gone to the hospital just started laughing at their face, going, how are you not dead yet? You're going to die any day now. You are so dead. Um, and then, in that sense, you can't really be too surprised when they do die. Now, I will say up front, before we start whipping out the eulogies, that Stadia, um, and thus players' access to their libraries and the games that they bought or collected over the years, will be up and um, accessible until the until January 18th of 2023. So we have been uh, told about this with a few months' notice. But yes, the top-line news story here is that Stadia's general manager, Phil Harrison, has admitted that as Stadia didn't shock horror, gain enough traction after launching nearly three years ago, it is going to be shut down. Lads, there's lots to kind of like... Um, dig through here when it comes yeah. to the way that Google are going to handle the shutdown and uh, purchases that have been made over the years when it comes to uh, how other game companies are going to handle purchases that have been made of their products, even when it comes to how Google handled the developers who may have been working on Stadia products right up until this past week. But I thought I'd put a little pin in that for now and just get your sort of like gut reactions to something that we all kind of thought might happen. Some people might have thought had already happened, mistakenly, but it has now officially happened. Chris, Stadia yeah. is Mate, no more. The, like, first of all, it, it's it's like it's almost like vindication at this point, right? Like, obviously, I'm I'm sad for the devs and everyone involved, etc. Blah blah blah. But the fact of the matter is, you know that you're on a sinking ship. Yeah, it, it's 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 like the like the fucking string quartet that they had on the Titanic. They're like, well, we're going down. We're just gonna keep on playing. Like, okay. Fine, you know, fair play to you. But it's almost like that this was a self-fulfilling prophecy. The reason why Stadia never fucking gained traction is because they're, and, and sorry if this is like going into something that you might be addressing further down the line, Jamie. But Not at all, go for it. When Stadia came out and they showed the tech, it was really promising. And it was, it was encouraging of kind of like Jonesy's future gamescape, okay? And like, I, I think... In terms of the tech, all of us, at, at least at the beginning, were kind of there for it. But mm. when they were like, "Yeah, you know, you're gonna, you're gonna buy these games, okay? It's not gonna be any subscription. You're gonna buy the games outright. They're gonna cost exactly the same as any kind of physical copy or a uh, fair enough a digital copy on a digital platform. But the caveat there is you can download it to your machine and have it. Whereas this was an always-on kind of solution, and it was a streaming solution, and the whole thing." was people are like, yeah, but you're telling me I, I'm not actually going to own my game, and if you shut down the service, there's no way I can get it. And then all of a sudden, they're shutting down their service, and now they're kind of scrambling to figure out how people can get their games. Do, do you know what I mean? It's, like, it's almost like this like weird fucking cycle where mm. it's like an Ouroboros. <laughs> do, do you know what I mean? It's like people didn't go to the service because of the inherent dangers of it. Therefore, the yeah. inherent dangers became evident and and were actuated and then all of a sudden because no one does that the service shuts down self-fulfills that prophecy. yeah it's a self-fulfilling prophecy yeah, yeah. yeah. I, no, I, 
Do you, know, do you know the first thing that this made me realise? Um, Stadia's announcing it was closed. It made me realise that I still hadn't cancelled my Stadia subscription, <laughs> and that was something that I probably should have done uh, a while ago. Um, I'd never bought any games on it. Luckily, um, was that the the free tier? No, I think it was like seven quid or something. It was. Uh, so you've been I, paying seven pounds a month. Oh, there's about a thousand things that I'm signed up to that I don't remember about that I'm wow. paying like seven about seven pounds a month for. Um, but I'm, I'm like, I think we've just said this is the least surprising thing in the world. When they launched Stadia and we started talking about it and we were saying, hey, look, it's Netflix for gaming, all of this. And then they came up with their actual pricing model and the structure and yeah. how everything was going to work. We literally all sat here and said, this is never, ever going to work. Like, who would sign up to this? DOA, right? And it, yeah, 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 absolutely DOA. Like, 100%. And, and not the fighting game. DOA, like actual dead on arrival. No, yeah. I, it, to me, I I was surprised by this news. I'll be honest, because I I thought they had just shut down Stadia. I remember reports saying that like they've stopped and that they had um, shifted to offering the service to like enterprise solutions, etc. Yeah, um, like a while back, and then that's where the news of the quarry being previously being a Google Stadia title, and then. Uh, who's a super massive? They kind of said, "Yeah, no, we're not. We're not going to do Stadia." Because I, I thought that was the thing. Do you know what I mean? I, th- I, I thought Stadia closed down, and then they just shifted it. But apparently not. Like, who the fuck knew? And and yeah. like, honestly, when that news came out, which was like what middle of this year, why did the rest of the developers that were still working on stuff? I mean, okay, fine, maybe they were contractually bound, actually. Um, but yeah, like. And surely at that point, you're just looking at the clock waiting for the fucking yeah the countdown, you know? Did you, um, what, what, was the t- what was the tweet from the dev who was like, oh, if, uh, we're not getting paid now. Like, we've made this game. We were, we, uh, Google pay, like, um, signed us up to make a game. We've, we've made the game. The game's complete. It's supposed to be delivered next month. And now we know they're not, like, what's the betting? There's no way they're paying us. And it just, it, your kind of heart breaks for the devs who've, who've in that position. There must, Especially there, if that's there, how they found out. There must be something in their contracts though. First of all, they would have been given a sum of money to even start creating the game, right? So I don't think it's like a net loss there. But mm. No, but, no, but it's, it's, still a, right, it's still a loss though, right? It's still in the yeah. sense of you were looking at like the profits you're going to make, it's going to launch, especially if you're like an, an, a young team, a new team, it could maybe catapult you into something. It's a big launch for you. It's going to be on Stadia and... You now but, know none of that's coming. But if they've if they've if they've completed the game or near completion of the game, surely it's just a case of pivoting to your Steams, your Epics. You'd hope so. Yeah, You'd hope so that you can find like, a publisher. Because I, I, don't, I don't think it's like it's not like developing for like a Nintendo platform or a fucking PlayStation platform. It's developing for a PC platform that is then streamed to you. I, I I think so, but at the same time, I believe there are other layers to it that complicate the the factor because I I know firsthand of some studios yeah. that are like were uh, almost advertised as the fact that they were good at doing Stadia ports and did Stadia ports for a number of major titles. Where like to what your point, Chris, you thought to yourself, "Hang on a second, that game already existed on you know PC or whatever, or yeah. whatever the case may be. Why not? Isn't it just a case of kind of reining in some of that stuff and making it work?" But apparently. It seemed like there's more to it than that, um, but yeah. However, you cut it, the, the the news that most of us sort of like kept picking up over the course of a number of tweets that came out that day, that developers were finding out 
uh, about the future of Google Stadia at the same time that all of us uh, found out about it um, is uh, bizarre and, and a really bad look. And in spite of some of the kind of the slightly more positive and goodwill oriented moves that Google appear to be making as Stadia goes away, that was just, I can't for the life of me understand why you wouldn't just, even just like, but even if there's just like a weird round robin email that you send out like the day before you tell the public, like, hey, maybe try and find a way to make sure developers don't find out that the project they're working on is essentially being cancelled <laughs> via Twitter. Or, yeah, as an example, I, I thought that was a really bad look for Google. Yeah. Not that they the, care, but... No, nah, the, the thing is, like, Google has a long and storied history of killing off products. Uh, yeah. Some deservedly, some undeservedly. Like, Google Glass, gone. Google Plus, gone, to name a few. I'm not yeah. sure there's more. I think no, there's actually a website yeah. called, like, Google Graveyard or something like that. And it's like, yeah. this is, but this is a different one, though, right? For me, because in the sense of you've got real people that I'm sure it's few and far between, but there are people who have pivoted their entire gaming sort of uh, library, I suppose, to be to playing on Stadia. And now, if they've got like new, if they've bought games over the last couple of years where now all their games are on Stadia because of maybe functionality connection, they, connections, they can play the games anywhere they want, blah, blah, blah. Come January, they've got no access to any of those games. They're not going to get any refunds for any of those titles that they've got. They're not going to have another way to play any of those titles. I think it kind of shines a light and may, in some weird ways, maybe not a big enough light, but it does shine a light on um, this new world that we're going into, which is the the rental of everything world where you don't actually own anything. Um, I know that I've had it before. I think it was with Amazon Music where I bought um, uh, I bought OK Computer, like the, the Radiohead album. This is going back like 10 years or so, or 15 years. Um, I bought it when I had an Android phone, downloaded the whole album, and then didn't have any space on my phone at some point. So I deleted some of the songs because I, I listened to like the big hits. I didn't really listen to a few of those other tracks. Then I tried to re-download the whole album and it wouldn't let me. And so I contacted their um, help center and was like, oh, you know, what the hell? I can't download the rest of this album. And they're like, did you delete the songs? I'm like, well, yeah, because I can re-download them. They went, no, you can't re-download them. <laughs> so you've paid yeah. for an album. And then they refunded me the whole album. Oh, yeah. yeah. This, uh, this is- I think that's where the, the consumer watchdog stuff, like they need to be careful about this kind of thing. They need yeah. to, at this stage, offer the refunds because it's all kind of like contractual, right? Like, but Google aren't. Google aren't refunding you if you've just bought if you bought Cyberpunk. No, Google are refunding this. all hardware purchases and all game and add-on purchases made through the Stadia store. Yeah, they're not. They're not. I thought they weren't a, a refunding game uh, if you bought games. They're not refunding those. Uh, the, the quote I've got here is Google will be refunding all Stadia hardware purchases made through the Google store and all game and add-on content purchases made through the Stadia store. So everything bought through them and their platforms is being refunded. Is oh, okay. My, oh, right. I, I misunderstood that. I thought that they were set because then they are not refunding the subscription stuff. I thought that the game purchases were under that. Therefore, they weren't refunding that. Okay, no, I'm, I'm impressed. And, 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 and on top of that, that a number of, and again, we can't expect this amount of goodwill to be present whenever stories like this develop in the future. But a number of other studios, as I mentioned, are stepping up. Ubisoft, for example, I, I believe they've confirmed that they're looking into ways to allow everyone that owned a one of their games on Stadia to transfer that ownership over to PC. Yeah. Um, and a number of uh, 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 
companies that have like you know always online elements that uh, make, give people accounts that are essentially you know ongoing like Bungie uh, with Destiny and IO Interactive with Hitman. They're looking yeah. um, for ways to allow players to transfer those accounts um, over to other platforms as well. Although not everyone is going to be able to do so. There's one story that did the rounds last week about an individual who had put, I believe, I think 6,000 hours into the Google Stadia version of Red Dead Online and Rockstar being Rockstar and also <laughs> dealing with everything that they've got going on at the moment. Um, unsurprisingly, radio silent on any way for you to transfer that character, that account, that progress to another platform. So that may well just be lost time for those individuals. Right. Oh, yeah. man, I, t- I take it back. I didn't realize that. That's, that is one of no. the best... Uh, um, like best ways of a company doing it, I think I've ever heard of out but, there. Like it's, but, it's, it's it polar opposite to how Sony dealt with their cyberpunk refunds, you know, yeah, or didn't want yeah, to totally. deal with their cyberpunk refunds originally but, back in the day. But like, I still believe that refunds are not um, the point you made, and you know, the Radiohead example you gave still stands. And the thing that's even more damning about it is that the Radiohead example. You could argue that the weird thing there was that you did at one point download it, right? And yeah. we've often talked about, say, if iTunes went away, if Steam went away, there would still be titles that you had downloaded or that you had locally. And there's still some element of, like, it can exist physically somewhere, even if it's on a hard drive, assuming there's no sort of weird things about needing to be online or to log in to access content that you have locally on a hard drive. But when it comes to something like Google Stadia, when it's entirely cloud-based, when nothing yep. is ever physical, when nothing's downloaded, we can't have things locally, even if you want to, it is incredibly scary from the outset and made even more scary one one of the most you know one one of the wealthiest companies on planet earth is like where yeah, we're not in the business of keeping this going like <laughs> we're out sorry and we're probably never going to come back um it, it would make it will, i think like looking at what happens to say a company like on live and using yeah. that to fuel skepticism for google was kind of like eh, not really the same thing but I think in the future, using what happened to Google Stadia and using that to fuel skepticism for whoever the fuck is next, or even just the future of existing ones like Amazon Luma, I think that's becoming increasingly like like fair. Because don't get me wrong, as Chris said, Google can be can move quickly. They can have an itchy trigger finger when it comes to um, services that they fund that then don't immediately work or take off or establish the relevance in the way they hopes they would. But it paints a very ominous picture for the short term future. Uh, of cloud gaming um and and well, how far, in, in and this how far way, away we are from the long-term future of cloud gaming i think it, it almost shine, it almost like makes it more um i think obvious what needs to happen which is we've talked about before like when when netflix have movies on there that you can watch uh and then they take a movie off of Netflix. You don't feel like you've lost anything because you're not paying for that movie you're paying for a subscription service and they have movies on there but then i think that if you had the similar situation, like game, like uh, Games Pass is a similar sort of deal, right? If the game is taken off of Games Pass, you don't then go, oh, well, I've put loads of hours into it. Like it's, no, it's not, uh, it was never your game. But there's a, there's a difference though with Game Pass, right? Because with Game Pass, um, it's it's a documented thing that games come and game, games go. And then usually yeah. what they do is they say, this game, like let's say you've got the game in your library, you'll get a notification saying this game is leaving the library at, at X time, right? And then they say, here's a discount on that particular game if you just want to buy yeah. it outright and your saves will transfer over and everything. Whereas, yeah, do, do you know what I mean? There's like multiple avenues yeah, there you'd covering lose that. it. Yeah. yeah. But can, can I give you a bit of a quick rant? Because you mentioned the, the whole Netflix model. What about fucking Amazon, okay? Fellas, I, 
everything everywhere all at once came out on amazon amazon prime and it was free and i was like really amped i hadn't seen it yet i was like cool let me sit down let me watch this shit i watched two-thirds of it two-thirds of that fucker enjoying myself but it started falling asleep because i'm an old fuck and uh <laughs> i said you know I'll, I'll come let me put a pin in it i'll come back to it in a few days went back a few days guess what amazon were like oh yeah you can watch the rest of it if you pay fuckers yeah they, yeah, they removed weird. it from fucking prime i couldn't believe it it was and, and apparently so, they fucking pull the rug from under you from like it, this is a, a thing that they do it can't have been on there for more than a couple of weeks then right no dude literally it was like it launched that week and it, and the whole thing was like or, or any articles you see was like yeah you know on tv this week and on streaming services this week amazon prime everything everywhere all at once for free you can watch it here like quality and i think the week hadn't even gone out of it being launched before it went straight to uh, paid rental. That's weird. I've never heard of that before. It's mental. That is super I'm, weird. I'm, I'm fuming, and like people wonder why people turn to torrents, right? Not that I have. Can I? I, I I'll give you a. I've got an Amazon story as well that I I kind of. <clears> I'm not really sure what's going on with it at the moment. I don't know if it's just me being dumb. I have got seasons one and two of Attack on Titan that I bought on Amazon. Uh, Prime, but I bought it. I actually paid okay. for it, and it's in my it's in my purchases. I can't watch <clears> it because okay. when I go mm. on to Amazon to try and watch it, it is there. It's listed. It says you've got these two seasons, but when you click through to any of them, you can't actually watch any individual episodes. And if you try and search for Attack on Titan on Amazon, um, it comes up with like, oh yeah, you can watch Amazon. Uh, you can watch Attack on Titan on Amazon, but when you click onto it, it says this is no longer available in your region. In your region, yeah. So. Yeah, that's the sticky thing. So I but I I paid for it. like I literally I thought I owned those seasons those seasons of that. I didn't realize that that was per licensing arrangements with the publishers of Attack on yeah. Titan and Amazon. Yeah. So there could be a chance that I've bought for the wholesale the real it, price, it, it, and it, I can never watch it. It's technically it could be the same thing on Steam as well. You know, like you could you could buy a game on Steam, download it to your hard drive, all fine, hunky dory. You've paid for it; it's there, etc. Um, then let's say Epic swoops in the developer and they're like, the developer says that they don't, uh, Epic then is the owner of the dev, says, no, we don't want it on Steam anymore. So they yank it from Steam. It's still on your hard drive. It, they still have to honor it because it's there. But as soon as you delete it, you're never going to get that back. That, that so is, like, like, technically that's the terms of service for Steam, right? And it's Doesn't so, that sort of... Well, how does that that worries me when it comes to like discless or disc based consoles? <clears throat> I'm like, that's why I'm still a disc disc based console guy because yeah, at the end of the day, like, that's that's that, yeah. that, that, that's been digital ownership since she first bought a 79p song on iTunes in 2003. Like, right? You never you don't yeah, own yeah. anything. You're leasing it indefinitely, <laughs> yeah. and if the if the leaseholder decides to do something, then you're at their whim. Buy the disc though, mate. Buy it on disc, and then you can use it. Disc boy. Disc boy. Unless it's an always online game, and then it doesn't matter if you, you can't use it anyway because the servers have been turned off, and then you couldn't play it even if you go on the disc. Yeah, exactly. Plus, we all know the real oh, reason, as, as outlined during the original Disc Boy discussion, we all know the real reason why you still buy discs to this day, Jonesy. He shoves that up his bum. No, he puts his dick through the hole in the middle of the disc. Ooh. And and it's so small that he can't actually do it. What he has to do is he has to get it partway through, and he just tugs on the foreskin from the other side and like weaves it through, like a <laughs> like you know when you're putting a thread through a needle, like it's just like that. <laughs> oh, what, Jimmy, hang on, Jonesy's doing charades. What is? 
It's like it's like when you put your, your finger on the tip and you put the foreskin over your finger. Oh, okay. Now we're <laughs> every American watching this now has no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> See, I haven't seen June, but I imagine that's how that big worm thing works. From that, I imagine that that's that's the mental image I get in my head. I just see Timothy Chalamet being enveloped by the world's giantest force. Just putting putting his finger there, just waiting. Do you know what the funny thing about that is? <laughs> it takes over his whole body. I reckon if I drew like an uh, like a cartoonish version of Timothy Chalamet being sucked up by a giant foreskin, it would probably go viral on Twitter. Just saying. Oh, yeah. And you, just the fact that you mentioned uh, Timothy Chalamet in this podcast, it, it is now a um, a 10,000 view podcast. So There we go. Shout out to the to the Tim heads, the Chalamaniacs. The T-shouts? The, the T-shouts. Um, Guys, um... Can I can I wrap up Google Stadia with a question to you both? And mm. it's like a, it's kind of a two-parter. Um, is this when it comes to Google Stadia and a big push from a major company to establish cloud gaming as a viable solution for uh, gamers who might otherwise have indulged in, say, a home console or a place to or a personal computer? Is this the case of Google being in the wrong place at the wrong time? And if so i.e. if there is a hope for cloud gaming in the future, who will be the person who is now set to um, take up that mantle? I don't, who, should, who goes for... I'm trying to look, I'm looking back and forth between each of you and trying to gauge who's closest to being ready to talk. And neither of you are filling me that much confidence. <laughs> I, I'm there, I'm there. Buddy. Chris, If you, you're if you want to hear it. So who's poised to to take it? It's X, uh, well, Microsoft that's, and that, Xbox. That's, that's assuming you think the answer to the first part is yes. That there, that this was a question of wrong place, wrong time. Okay, for I, I think it was the right place, the right time, in the wrong way. Mm. Okay. okay, like, like I think, I think there's a decent enough market there with a de- with decent enough internet speeds, especially with whatever latency shenanigans Google had going on. But I just think, a, I don't, I, I. Don't recall their hardware being all that impressive in terms of their controller, but that aside, I think the fact that it wasn't subscription-based and the fact that they were going full price and and what and you how can I put this? You're a newcomer, even though Google's fucking massive, right? You're a newcomer to the gaming kind of sphere. Okay. We all know capital G gamers, what they're all like, okay? And you're going up against like, okay, never mind streaming, but just like services to get your games let's just say that okay yeah you're going up against steam you're going up against epic store and epic store had their own uphill battle don't forget um you're going up against xcloud you're going up against playstation now right your product might be better than all of them like it it doesn't matter because if the pricing is fucking wrong people are not going to go there if you cannot um allay certain fears people are not going to follow you okay so I think they had the right product. I think they had the right time, but they just did it in the most god-awful fucking way possible. And it's almost like what happened was you got a group of engineers in a room and said to these engineers, make a gaming service instead of getting people passionate about games and understand that kind of thing. Don't get me wrong. They did have gaming people, obviously, but just the people making the big fucking decisions clearly didn't think things through from a gamer's perspective, okay? Which kind of sounds like a little bit of an entitled thing to say, but if that's your audience and that's who you're hoping are going to be paying for it, then fucking fair. Yeah, fair I mean, and, and and the proof was in the pudding, right? Like, is yeah, it's got, yeah exactly, it's exactly. Dead. Yeah, and it, it it's not that it ever gained traction to begin with, no. right? Uh, you can throw money at a problem, but that doesn't mean that you'll solve the problem. 
Okay, so the other side of it is who's poised to take it? I think it's it's Microsoft. They've got the Azure servers, okay? If you think Google had their servers, that was their whole kind of like USP of it. And Amazon have got their fucking AWP servers or whatever. And um, Microsoft have the Azure servers, okay? The thing is that everything that kind of Phil Spencer's trying to do with um, with Xbox and xCloud and all the stuff you're hearing about like partnering with party third parties like uh, Razer on their presumably upcoming cloud handheld, uh, Logitech's cloud handheld, baking um, xCloud into Samsung TVs, I believe it was, was the plan. Like they they are thinking about it right and their service is right with Game Pass. Yeah. Right? Like they, they are poised to take it. And in fact, I think, I think anyone's poised to take it from Google's point of view because after Google's failure, because as long as you fucking learn from it, like the time is ready. We've got, we've got the technology. We can build it. But will people pay for it? Only if it's in a fucking service and it's worth it. You know? I know one person who'll pay for it month on month and then forget he's doing so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, hold on. There? He's he's there for me, but who who knows what this will look like by the time it's finished. <laughs> yeah. That, that, that's what I think. Oh, it's, it's, a, it's a tricky one. I think it was the wrong service at the right time, but but at this... But that having been said, I think they've also served a, a really valuable purpose. Um, I think we always forget uh, the, the sort of the companies and the, the products and the things that fall on the wayside as we're trying to develop, as we're trying to get into a new paradigm. And I think what Google have done will actually serve as a really important sort of like milestone in, in getting from where we're at to fully cloud-based gaming services. And maybe ha- one of the things to, is how not to do it is just as important as knowing like how to do it. Like we often talk about games when they come out of a new, you know, way of, of doing like a battle royale game, for example, when someone nails it, you're like, oh, just use that because that they've absolutely nailed it, right? But there's also really important times when a company will get it wrong and will say, well, don't do that because everyone fucking hated it. <laughs> and I think what Google have done is they've, they've shown what not to do in the space. And... I think for me, the biggest problem they had was they kind of answered a question that didn't, uh, they answered a question no one had, which was like Steam, for example, made your ability to play PC games more efficient, easier, and it gave you a place to go and how to download your games on your PC that you're already using. Stadia was like, hey, we know you've already got all these different ways of playing games. How about we make it more difficult, more annoying, and give you a service that you don't, no one asked for, (laughs) and you still have to pay full price for it. Whereas I think we all know what needs to happen. We need a cloud-based gaming service where you can go on with any device you've got. You can hop into an account, you pay a monthly subscription that's reasonable that people can actually afford and you can play games. Like I think everyone knows the product. It's the weirdest thing at the moment. Everyone knows that product. And that is, that is for games. Like that is for everyday games, right? That's for all the games that are coming out. Google and what they should have done for me with Stadia was almost become their own Nintendo, which was produce their um, develop their own games, publish their own games, and have the only place to play them and to stream them. And then that to me would have made so much more sense. Because but that, that was part, that had, was part of like their multi pronged plan, though, right? It was, and ne- they were going to get really, a load of never really came to fruition, did it? No, no. And what they kept trying to do was they kept trying to poach people from other platforms to come and play games on Stadia, and it's like, why would I do that? Like I can go and play these games anywhere else. If they'd have followed through and said, no, the, there's specific Stadia games. You can only play them on Stadia. Look at the massive titles there are. Look at all these exclusives. We're only about 
Stadia developers, Stadia publishers on Stadia. I think it would have been, it probably, it might have worked um, for me, but. So yeah, I, I can find some positives in it, I suppose. And who's going to be next? I think Chris is right. It'll be Microsoft. I would, I think PlayStation um, are also trying to do it. And I think it's going to, those two are just going to keep trading blows as they have done for a long time. I think um, PlayStation have tried to like level up and have not maybe done as much as they wanted to with their new offerings, with their new three-tiered system. I don't think they're anywhere near Microsoft are, but they'll learn. And in a few years, it'll probably be Microsoft and, and PlayStation for me that okay. sort of get it right finally. I think we can all agree. It's If there's one person, one, one uh, player in the sphere that it's not going to be, it's Nintendo with their fucking abysmal fucking online ideas. But, and- but Nintendo don't care. No, Nintendo, I know, I know. Nintendo... Nintendo and, and to a certain extent Sony are kind of sat there like we're making physical hardware that is more more expensive and like harder to manufacture than it's ever been throughout the humankind and it's selling like hotcakes so let's keep it going baby yeah um, exactly <laughs> uh, Jonesy I feel like an, a fun way to put a bow on this would be to loop back around to an, uh, an infamous uh, line in the sand that we drew back in the all-time gaming days uh, I think back then I can't really remember what it was but you we were asked to put a year on it by which like put a year by the uh, which point you thought that cloud-based gaming would be broadly accepted on a societal level and that people would not be buying home consoles and that consoles like a PlayStation 5 would be redundant because people would just stream have a TV and a controller for example where, I think where, I said the PlayStation put- 5 will be the last uh, generation of consoles yes i'm i'm almost certain you said that what, what, yeah. your, do you think the PS uh, focusing solely on Sony as an example? Do you, as a as a, like a, just a funneling for one second? Do you think a PS six ha- happens? And what is your new date? What is your new year uh, for gl- for global? You know for 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 cloud for people who primarily use cloud based gaming as their source of gaming to c- take up a considerable enough si- margin of a market for it to be comparable enough to Sony. Um, Microsoft and Nintendo's current offerings. I, 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 if I t- if I think about how like, the other stuff that's gone on, you know, that we've talked about, like issues with chips, issues with like uh, manufacturing stuff these days, COVID, etc., etc., etc. I think all of that affects it. I actually think this Stadia um, getting cancelled and, and Google basically saying it was a failure, whilst they did say they learned a lot of stuff and there was a lot of things they can take forward. I think this is a massive blow to cloud-based gaming because I think it's going to put a lot of people off who the next time a service rolls around. I think it's going to put make a lot of people shy away from it who maybe would have gone for it, like me. In the, um, yeah, but, in- but, but hold on, Jonesy, because you talk about Xbox, you talk about PlayStation, their cloud services are baked into their existing their existing services. Yeah, but they're, ad- that, they're kind of... Uh, that's the beauty of it, though, right? No, but, but Jamie's saying, when would, you, when would you adopt it as your main source of gaming? Like I'm so saying, I'm saying, I'm saying if they right, put out okay, a, yeah. a, which year do we get to a point where if they put out a survey to the, let's say, I would say billions of gamers, but I almost want to exclude mobile because I think that's muddies the waters for what we're saying. When do we get to the point where the, the global gamers survey shows that as many people are primarily using a cloud-based gaming service, no matter which, you know, uh, parent company it's attached to um are, how many as many people are using one as are using home consoles in a traditional sense so yes yeah i know and, and i for me this has massively pushed it back i think because i i think i i probably said like 2022 2023 i remember yeah. five years was a, was a, a date that I often said i think now it's going to be probably 
I think long more than five years away from now. I'm going to say like 2028, 20, maybe six years. Um, right. But what I and the way that do you know what I, that, the weird thing for me is I don't actually think it will be that different from what Stadia did. Be, now my thinking is going they'll have to ease you into it even like more slowly. I don't think it will necessarily be a Netflix with gaming. I think what will happen is. Um, whereas nowadays you buy a game and you download it onto your PlayStation, you buy a game, you download it to your Xbox. I think there will be an option in the next five years whereby what you can actually do is just to stream it. Um, I mean, or, rather than download that, it. right? But it's, but it's in beta, right? If you want to do it, like, is it X? I lose, I, honestly, I, and I think this is also ties into one of the problems that's going on. I don't know. Like, I think there is a weird communication error with Xbox where they haven't got people like me to pay enough attention to what I can do with the services I already pay for. Like, could I stream a Game Pass game to my phone right now using some app? Maybe not because I'm on iOS, but I honestly lose track of what the answer is sometimes. Oh, maybe, maybe. I, I thought that was all in beta and some, I thought they were sort of testing but it. But I, I, I got invited to some beta that like, this oh, okay. was like two years ago when I played the Halo yeah. um, Master Chief Collection on my yeah. iPhone. It, it is technically it, still in beta, Stephanie. Right. Uh, right, but, so but I, it, I think in the next is, five years, it is built into Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. Right, okay. Because what I was going to say, I, I would have said in the next five years, it will be a standard option. Like you can either do one or the other, and I think it will be twenty twenty eight before it becomes the primary way that people are uh, like the, the gamer survey. I think yeah. twenty twenty eight. So, so for, okay, so in beta at the moment. So I think because this is a weird thing as well and just because something's getting tested and trialed with a certain number of people it's another thing to roll it out to everyone because you've just got the amount of bandwidth the amount of storage like all that sort of shit is going to be you know order of magnitude more meaty and playstation aren't even on board with it yet so it's like they stream obviously but they don't stream um, new titles in the same way like you can't just pick up a when god of war ragnarok comes out you won't be able to stream it yeah like yeah it. that's good because um, like i stream stuff on my playstation now like my kids stream playstation I guess PlayStation Three games like sometimes and, and that, and they're a bit jank and they, sometimes it's not the button reactions aren't that great and stuff and it's like, mate, listen, so yeah. listen, I, a friend of the show, fucking Martin from the Just Interesting podcast, good past podcast by the way. If you're interested in interesting things, go listen to them. Um, he played, I believe, and completed Bloodborne on PS Now. I I, I did the whole of um uh, Infinite. Bioshock Infinite on PlayStation. Yeah, man, like it's doable. Is I, it? I did, it's just I a did, question of like um, where your threshold lies. Yeah, I did yeah. ninety seconds of Mafia Two. So <laughs> <laughs> there's my. Threshold. But no, but, uh, it's twenty twenty eight. There you go. There's my new year before it becomes the okay. dominant way people play games. I think twenty twenty. Chris, can you give a year and just the year so so I can? Uh, <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I, I I don't know about the year because I don't know what the product life cycle is, but I believe we get one more traditional console like power based console mm-hmm. that then would be the proper shift so let's say the new xbox and the playstation 6 it would be a case of you buy a game you can download that game or you can stream that game from brand new even if it's a new release so like we talk about ragnarok ragnarok's not going to be on ps now straight away i think that will be the generation where that is the norm it might start happening at the end of this generation but that'll be the norm of that and then I think that will be the end of traditional consoles. So after that, like whatever happens, like fucking know, whatever happens, happens. Hmm. What, Jamie, what are you saying? I, I, I kind of don't know. I think the reason that I don't know <laughs> is that, you know, when you can kind of get a sense of something might happen because you feel like you're on the on-ramp for it already and it's about looking into the future based on how some of the 
the tidbits we've got at the moment will develop. I kind of feel like we're not on the on-ramp yet. And um, I, I, I feel far more comfortable seeing cloud-based gaming as an accompaniment to traditional gaming. Uh, um, I'm not going to say indefinitely, but like, yeah, I haven't seen these signs that it's going to change yet. Like one of the things that I get every so often, whether it's through friends or whether it's through family and whatnot, and I'm sure you guys get this too in your private lives is you get exposed to the way people who aren't engaged with games in the way that us three are, or the listeners to this podcast are and how they think or feel about this stuff. And I know people that spend hundreds of pounds a year on video game software and will, that number will go into the thousands every time video game hardware comes out who, if you said to ask them what Google Stadia was, they'd probably guess it was like a word processor. Like the the mainstream penetration isn't there yet. And also the mainstream understanding or acceptance of this technology or why they should care about it also isn't there yet. And so part of me feels like even major companies and companies like Microsoft and PlayStation that have huge access to huge player bases already, like haven't started, haven't got themselves on the on-ramp yet to truly converting the tens of millions of people that they'll need to convert for this to make up a significant portion size of um, of any audience. And so if you're asking me, by the time, let's say the generational cycles stay around the same length, if you're asking me by the time we get to PS6 territory in 2026, 2027, whether some of the people I'm interfacing with now are ready to start streaming a video game? No. If you ask me whether I'm ready to start streaming a video game at that point, the answer is no. Do you know why my internet dropped out three times already today? I had to unplug and plug in my router to record this podcast with confidence. Oh, it's, it's yeah, that's a good point. And you know what the other thing that is going to happen? Internet speeds are going to get faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. And the thing that's going to happen is the line of reliability for streaming video games is going to go up. And your which other line is going to go up at the exact same rate. The speed at which I can download the game and not have to worry after I've launched it. Yeah. The big thing for me, and yeah. I think it's going to be like a Venn diagram, is going to be the um, the size of the video game because it's because we're getting uh, you know high de- um, more high depth, but uh, get, more yeah, they're getting depth. smaller now. No, but they're they're not going to though. They're going to be getting bigger and bigger. Well, I think in the next generation, as we go further, people are going to start talking yes. about 8K. They're going to start talking about like, oh, I need at least 120 frames a second. I'm going to, it's just, they're just going to get loot. The textures of the fucking assets are going to be the, like they're um, gonna get, abandoned. Well, the thing is, they're going to get smaller before they get bigger if, this, if the first two years of this generation are anything to go by. Like PS5 games are currently smaller than PS4 games. Um, oh, okay. No, fair enough. But I, I, I don't know. I can't see PlayStation 6 games being like smaller than PlayStation 5 games. In, and I know storage gets easier and storage gets cheaper no, well, as your time the, goes by. The, the, the thinking was, I'm, my understanding of it, is it came down to the, the speed of SSDs. And so that, like, yeah. if the the example I remember Mark Cerny gave in the talk, and I always remember it, is let's say you're playing a game like Spider-Man and you're swinging and the game gets to the point where it needs to render in a streetlight. Um, and uh, let's say there are however many different street, And so as you're going yes, along, it's like... This, yeah. um, Every now and every time it needs to render a street light, how hard does it need to look, and how fast can it look for that street light? And at so some they point, duplicated assets. Yeah, exactly. So, but yeah, SSDs yeah. are fast enough that it doesn't. It takes it much shorter to find that street light. So you need fewer street lights. In the, if that <laughs> yes. makes sense. <laughs> yes. No, that does. Because uh, it make can sense. find it faster, and so having it duplicated across every portion of the game doesn't isn't necessary anymore. It just. I think when you talk about game, like so, I used to play games back on floppy disks back in the day. 
Um, and big chunky games had multiple floppy disks and you'd need like four floppy disks to install like a, a game. And it was like, oh my God, four floppy disks. This is ridiculous. And if I now think about that and I think about Warzone, that is oh, insanity. Jesus, like yeah. that, the, 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 and then how many floppy disks would you need to put Warzone on? There's a, there's a fucking viral video right there. Someone needs to put Warzone onto floppy disks and then like say, this is how many floppy disks for, for They'd copy of Warzone. Move. <laughs> so um i think that for me is going to carry on like okay. and like you said download speeds are going to increase but size of games is going to get bigger just when the just imagine the insane um high detail renders and assets of games when they're like photorealistic of when like unreal uh was it unreal 5 is it there's the one with the yeah. we matrix thing imagine like unreal engine 8 like it's going to be ludicrous it's going to basically be storing the world no, on but, your fucking but, but computer. Along, along with the engines comes like new compression technology. Yeah, and, like everything and delivery at the same time. Oh yeah. no, it, it does, and everything still gets bigger over time. Like uh, Jamie's point is good about the assets needed to be duplicated on discs, but you then also get to people like, well, now they're so much faster. We can put so much more shit into the game, yeah, and it no, hasn't yeah. got to worry about storage. So we're just going to make the we're going to make the biggest game world ever. And <laughs> it would, yeah. yeah. Which is why I said it will get smaller before it gets bigger, but I do also believe the air will eventually, especially if Hassan Karaman has anything to say. Like, <laughs> his 8K textures are going to take over the planet. Right um, By the way, just a, just a, sorry, I know like we need to be on, but just as a, going back on what I said, you can, like when Halo Infinite came out, you could stream it straight away. So, there you go. I have no um, idea. So Microsoft are there. It's just a question of like, I want to do it. But if you think about it, that's like, hey, you got Xbox Series S, and yeah, you can play Halo Infinite. You want it to play and look better? Just fucking stream it, baby. You know. There you go. So, I yeah. Let's move on. Okay. Please. Yeah. <laughs> we, yeah, we we spoke about this fucking ages. Well, there you go. R.I.P. Google Stadia. I will say that in the uh, current day, well, I'm, just gonna can- I'm just going to cancel my membership. Hold on. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Well, that does that. I will also point out that while Google Stadia has unfortunately um, bitten the bullet and has left this world too soon, one of the things that can help present where things uh, reach an untimely end, whether they are services or even video gaming podcasts, it is the support of a loving community. And mm-hmm. as the very thing that I'm very glad to be able to say that we have on our side here, um, at a, I almost called it full time gaming, at the Super Show, <laughs> um, by means of our Patreon. Um, we have a patron over at patreon.com forward slash super show. And if you head over there, what you'll find is a number of different tiers at which you can support us. And those tiers will be uh, rewarded. That patronage will be rewarded with various goodies. Um, things like uh, patron exclusive videos, patron exclusive podcasts, behind the scenes shit, let's plays. Uh, we've done a whole host of things. The thing I always point out at every interval, whenever I'm uh, pimping out this patron, is that. Um, much like video game and music, movie and music history. That was a lot of M's. Um, Everything that's existed in the past will continue to exist in the future. And unlike Stadia, we're not going to take anything away from you. So technically, at any given point in time, the most recent up-to-date point in time, like right now when you're listening to this, is the biggest the Super Show patron library has ever been. And that is true now. It will be true in 10 seconds. It will be true this time next week, which kind of means there's no better time than right now Get over to patreon.com forward slash super show. Pledge a little bit of money, like say $2 a month to gain access to our Discord server. And you'd be helping us out massively. Uh, a number of people have already been so kind enough to have done so and supported us already. Some of those names are on screen now, but there are a host more that I'd like to give some personal shout outs to, including 
Aaron Cameron, Athletic Gravy, Bill Caesar, Brimstone, Cold K, Crow's Perch, Ice Not Rock Salt, Jesper Camdahl Nielsen, My Little Pig, Mr. Anthropic, Pastors Guild, and The Big Dogs, Brett Z, aka Shellshock, Geometric Potter, Hacksaw Book Read, Manuel Guerrero, and Peasewad. <sighs> Folks, yeah, thank, thank you, you guys. So thank much. you so much. The Big Boys. The Big Boys, indeed. Once again, that link, patreon.com forward slash super show and a huge thank you to everyone who has ever supported us uh past present and indeed future um genuinely it means a lot and uh it's the reason we continue to produce whatever this weird fucking piece of shit is <laughs> um they're kind of our overlords in a weird way aren't they and i'm and i'm cool with it <laughs> they yeah exactly like i think we've referred to them as like almost like the board of directors in a weird yeah. way like, yeah they are the board of directors i, I like yeah. to think that we are simps for our patrons and not, I'm, the other, and not the other way around. Is this your way of saying that we have like a there's like an only fan style dynamic here? Do we need to start sending sexy DMs to our patrons, Chris? Yeah, yeah. It's almost like an, an inverse only fans. Yes, we need to hire an intern which, to pretend try, to be us. Trust the super show to fucking get only fans wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's not too we're the wrong pivot, way around. Right? Yeah. Uh, Jonesy's done a couple of photo shoots in the past. I know that we could repurpose if we this do decide to pivot onto another platform. Um, but for now the focus shall remain squarely on video games Um, speaking of video games one thing I'm just going to come out and say up front because I'm confused and I would try and do it subtly but I feel like if I do it subtly I'll just confuse people even more Jonesy is there anything you want to talk about in terms of games you've been playing in the past week or has the answer to that changed do you know what? I was I was gonna I was gonna and then we spent an hour talking about Stadia and I thought um, this is probably actually not worth it that's fair, fair enough. I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll, a really quick hit. I'll just, in one sentence, I'll say basically, I was going to mention the fact that I've jumped into Deathloop for the first time and Warzone for the first time in a long time. And I realized, uh, and I didn't really have fun with either of them. And I realized it wasn't because of them, it was because I think I'm getting too old to play first person shooters. Hmm. Well, to, to be fair, though, you, yeah, like, you, you chose two, two first person shooters that do kind of ask a lot of you in different ways. Uh, Deathloop well, Death Death doesn't like it's quite an easy first person shoot like the, the enemies yeah. aren't challenging the game is like it but it was I just wasn't enjoying that 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 I don't know what the word is like that of that view in that sort of game I, I realized that I was being more intrigued by the intrigue and the fact mm. that the mm. the throwing in some action shooting and machine guns and all of that I was kind of like I'm actually just more into the world and what's going on and I want to know so like why Julian is you would have had a better time if it was third person I think third person and if it was less like shooty bang bang and there was random people that I had to kill Chris, and I was more into the are we at the very beginning of the transitionary arc that arrives at a point where Jonesy is a fan of Telltale Games Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah! Oh my yeah! I love what you mean. Telltale. I love Telltale games. I've always loved Telltale games. I don't. You've you've for years now. You've tried to put like a shadow on Telltale and say mean things about them and associate me with it. And I think it's not going to fly anymore, Jamie. I've been a fan of them for a long time. And this I'm is looking outrageous. To all their future how, projects. How can you lie to us like point blank like that? That's ridiculous. I don't this, know what you're this, talking this about. This is gaslighting. That's outrageous. Jonesy, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, don't make me clip out the fifty-one percent video game conversation <laughs> and upload it as its own video because i will look i just just because i don't agree with your take that a game has to be 51 percent playable before it's wow. a video game okay, don't great. try and yeah, now no, wheel it yeah. out well do you know what how about the consumption of entertainment that's 
like technically 0% video game or 100% video game, depending on your perspective. Mm. Because I can tell you, Gen Z, there's a story out there that in the near future, you'll be able to consume without picking up a controller whatsoever. The downside is the story you've already consumed four times already. It's The Last of Us. Ah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, that's right. Well. Yeah, um, we've known for a little while now that HBO are going to be making a TV series based on The Last of Us. And in this past week, we got our first, I'd say, proper look at the at the show via a trailer that was about ninety seconds long that was released on like The Last of Us Day or whatever that weird celebration is. Yeah, called. it was The Last of Us Day. Yeah. Um, yeah. So um, basically, confirming a lot of what we know already. HBO Max uh, in the US and Sky here in the UK, um, largely covering events that we saw play out in the first game, and starring Pedro Pascal of the Mandalorian fame playing Joel, um, and Bella Ramsey of Game of yeah. Thrones. Second of Game of Thrones fame uh, playing Ellie. Playing Ellie um, yeah. Due out sometime next year. Like I said, our first proper look at it, uh, Chris. Mm. How hot? How cold are you? Let's let let let's let let's fracture this question because okay. I want to know one based on like a theoretical Last of Us TV show. If it were as good as it could be, how interested you'd be, and then be based on what you're actually seeing. Seeing, just in case yeah. there's a, a difference there. Okay, but before we get into that, there is something that I wanted to mention, but I forgot. Um, just as you mentioned the patrons, um, I just want to give a, a shout out to a non-patron member who's been supporting mm. the show, which is Oddman Nunes. Because oh, he's, right, been, yeah, of course. he's been giving us some super thanks, which I didn't even know was a thing that we had enabled, but apparently we did. Um, so yeah, thank you, Odd Man. I, I really do appreciate it. And all of us kind of, you know, we're just always appreciative of the support that we get in different ways. And yeah, yes, I just wanted absolutely. to give a shout out there. Like no, it, it needed to be said. But yeah, back back to Very the HBO important. thing. Um, okay, so the, the two-pronged thing, question was, uh, theoretically, as good as it could get, is the could a Last of Us TV show be good? Absolutely. I, I think there is value there. I think there is merit there. I think the danger is, though, of... This is the disconnect, Ken, okay? and, and, and it's such a tricky thing when kind of like adapting games. Do you go the route of just completely rehashing the story? And like you said, it's a story that we fucking had <laughs> and experienced like eight different times now. Um, it, is there a risk in that in terms of just saying like, we'll just watch the fucking cutscenes, right? But, you know, there's people's takes on things and, and how, they, how you could see it come to life. That's always interesting. The other side of the coin, and I think that's maybe going to be a little bit more in terms of this, is where do they take their liberties? And how do they kind of put their own stamp of things? I, you know, if you, if you think to like the Halo series where like famously they're like, oh, we, we've never fucking played the game. It's like, well, <laughs> fuck, you know, what, what, what can you expect? Um, but look, I think, I think like watching the trailer here, I think all the ingredients kind of like could potentially live up to the hype. Um, I'm glad that in the trailer that they showed, they didn't shy away from some of the more iconic scenes, even mm-hmm. if they were just little snippets. Um, I think it could be good. And I think it's, it's a unique world that it's a world that could very nicely be explored. Um, I think it'll do well. I, I yeah, I, I have high hopes, especially the people fucking involved. Where what's the dude's name? Craig Mazin, like yeah, and like I, I what, still watching think that Chernobyl tra- is yeah, the exactly. best television watching, of the century. And personally. watching that trailer, I was like, you could see the Chernobyl DNA in there, totally for lack lack of a better kind of um, thought. But yeah, 
No, no I'm, I agree. I'm, I agree. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it, man. Let's see, let's see where it goes. Speaking of where it goes, Jonesy, you've been pulling so many faces in the last five minutes, <laughs> <laughs> and I can't pass any. We, of them. we should just do like a supercut of Jonesy's reaction sometimes. Um, <laughs> I, how do I feel about this? I, I like okay the story of the Last of Us. I love. I love the games. I think Last of Us Part Two is probably my favorite PlayStation game. Uh, or PlayStation, like my PlayStation era. So like not just PlayStation, it's B, if you know what I mean. Um, so I love the IP. I don't love the trailer. Um, okay. Okay. I think it looked kind of low rent, uh, a lot more so than what I was expecting. I don't mind Pedro Pascal as Joel. I'm not sold on, what's her name? Bella Ramsey. Bella Ramsey. Bella Ramsey. I, I don't know. She just she just doesn't scream Ellie to me. And she don't get, she may well do in the role. Like, and you actually watch it. She, it may be fine. Um, I just get a different vibe from her. She looks a lot younger than I think I thought Ellie was in the original game. And I can't imagine that some of the sass and some of the way that she kind of came across is going to work coming from, because maybe because she looks too young. Like, and she just looks fucking young. She looks like nine years old. And maybe, I don't know. I know she's not. Um, and people have said this. She just looks really young, which is fine. She might be a phenomenal actress. I've only seen her in Game of Thrones, I think, when she played the um, uh, Lord's Door or some shit. Um, I, I've, I'm kind of hoping they, like Chris said, that they showed some of the iconic scenes. I suppose they, they're going to have the iconic scenes in there. What I was hoping for with a series was maybe less so... I don't know. I thought I wanted them to go, like, buy the game, and this is how, the, you know, basically go the same way the game goes. I'm now thinking I would rather they played the pivotal moments, but actually did an interpretation of the in-between s- sections because those are the bits that you actually play in the game. They they can't have them like verbatim and you don't even need it. I want to see more. I want to see more like world building maybe that they yeah. can do in a show mm. than they than they could in the game because you don't have the sections where you have to. Now you've got to fight waves of enemies in every, and you know, it looks like a level and specific places to hide behind. They don't need any of that shit. They can just make a TV show. Um, no. I didn't I didn't realize it was going to be so this is going to sound really dumb. The trailer made me think it's a western with zombies. Hmm, interesting. Which I hope it doesn't seem like that when I'm watching the show because that's not what I felt from the yeah. game. Yeah. Yeah, it, no, there's no real western influence in the game. Which is kind of I think it was just cuz the 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 music, the the yeah. colors the, the, and everything and was kind like, of muted because I, I all think, the time. I don't think it looked low rent the same way you did, but there is something like you're watching television, you're not watching a movie. Like you notice the frame yeah, rate is different. Yeah. You notice like the things are different. And I think that lends itself to comparing it to other TV shows. And I think one thing that this is going to get caught up in, not necessarily from fans of the game, but from TV people is The Walking Dead. And there was mm, there yes. is this kind of like Walking Dead-y Western zombie <laughs> element that it needs to quickly, I think, differentiate itself from and tap into more of the, as Chris mentioned, the Chernobyl DNA, which I think yeah. is far more And Walking befitting. Dead fatigue is is definitely real. Like, and and you totally. don't want to trans, transpose Walking Dead fatigue from that show onto this show because it would obviously be really unfair. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. I think they could do different things with it. I, the, the thing that's kind of like a head scratcher for me is HBO, usually their seasons are like, what, like 10 episodes? Right? I don't know. Actually. I don't, yeah, I don't know. Some, some, something like that, like eight, ten episodes. Uh, my question is this: like, okay, as an example, like, how many episodes was Chernobyl, Jamie? If you on the, I uh, think it was, I think it was eight, Google. but let me let me double check for you. Okay, so let's let's just say eight to ten episodes. 
Where, how far do they get in the story eight to ten episodes in? Oh, it was Especially, only five. There's only five episodes in this. Oh, no, of, of Chernobyl. It was only five. Oh, right. Okay. All right. Okay, so let's just say eight. Okay, just argument's sake. Eight episodes, one hour each. Where, how, how far in the storyline do they go? Okay. I, th- I, I don't think they're going to cover the entire game because they can't. That's predict madness. Okay. Well, in eight hours, but that's that's eight hours of game. Like gameplay was probably what fifteen to twenty hours of the original game. But think how much of that is you playing that they don't have. Yeah, to I'm, I'm kind of with Jonesy. Okay, okay. So, so do you think they'll encapsulate well, the entire game, especially considering that they had uh, shots of um, the the DLC of like the story stuff? Yeah. yeah, left behind. Right. Yeah, they did. So, I, like, where do you think they go? Do you think they go all the way to the end for, for the first season to the end I think, of... I think they could do. I, I, think I, I, I think the way they do it is kind of something that Jonesy tapped into, which is that... The, the, I, I think I've mentioned it on the podcast before that the funny thing about The Last of Us is it's a game that we so often talk about as having one of the best game stories in games, right? Yeah. And when you break it down, it, The Last of Us does not have one of the best stories in games. It is about a man agreeing to essentially smuggle a uh, young girl across the United States and like mayhem ensues. But primarily like the last of us, some of the has some of the best characters and the best characterization, mm. the best arc writing and art fulfillment yeah. in games, not necessarily the best story. I think there are great moments, but so much of those great moments are tied to character. And you could very much argue that the pockets of story that both set up and wrap up the over the overwhelming story, that is where kind of good story comes into it. But in the middle, like some of my favorite sequences are character moments and the character sequences, but they're also like Jonesy said, bits that I think you can take more liberties um, with. I think one of the weird things that you remember, like you know about, realize about The Last of Us when you replay it, and re- so you have you're almost paying attention to other areas. Is The Last of Us as a game does a lot of editing. Um, there's a sequence um, in the game where you leave the. Um, I'm forgetting everyone's name names now, but Joel, you go and find Joel's brother who works at like the hydro, like electric yeah. and water plant. Um, yeah, I know exactly right. Um, <laughs> and you leave there, and like you have the sequence. Is it Sam? Is it Sam? No, Sam's the daughter. Um, oh yeah, Sam's the daughter. Okay, no, no, sorry, no. Account. Sam is one of the brothers. Sam and Henry are the two black brothers. Uh, the daughter Tommy. is Sarah. Tommy. Uh, Tommy. 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 That's Fucking it. hell, Tommy. Um, you leave Tommy's, you have that thing at the end where Ellie like runs away and you find her in that abandoned house and you have the mighty thin ice conversation. And like, <laughs> but Joel wants to leave Ellie with Tommy, but in the end, Joel's like, no, I'm going to take you the rest of the way. And the game like kind of fades to black and it fades back up. And Ellie and Joel are on foot on a highway as they're about to enter like Salt Lake City and do the giraffe yeah. scene and make yeah, towards yeah, the hospital. Yeah. You go on Google Maps. That game just cut out like hundreds, if not thousands, of miles of walking. <laughs> yeah, right. And the game, and one of the fantastic things that The Last of Us does in its moment-to-moment writing and its dialogue, it perfectly encapsulates where Joel and Ellie's relationship is and how it updates over time, and the fondness and the connections that that grow um, as the story progresses. To the point where you don't realize, you don't think about the fact that they just walked across, walked or used a horseback or whatever it was, it was mm. like hundreds of miles. Right, like you, you just don't think about it. Um, I, I might have, I might have got the A and B in, the, but that's wrong because yeah, I don't yeah, remember yeah, yeah. where the yeah. university is and where the winter sequence is. But there is a bit where that happens because I remember looking it up. Um, the winter sequence is after the hotel, right? Because Joel falls down. That's gets in the stabbed. university. 
Wait, he falls down in the university? Joel falls down in the university and lands on the pole. Because you're, you're on horseback at the beginning of the university. The hotels... Yeah. Um, yeah, we need to... We, do you know what? Maybe we do Ooh, need to play the last rem- part one. Yeah, I don't remember. Like, I, I remember the main story beats. I do not remember the, the but basically, intermediary stuff at all. Basically, what I'm saying is, I remember writing a script once for like a video that we could have made, but I never finished it. Um, and it was about... A story um, of our life. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There was, do you remember a, a film that uh, James Gunn weirdly directed starring Rain Wilson called Super? Yeah, where he was a he was, it was like it was like a kick-ass style thing before kick-ass, uh, where he was like started dressing up as a Superman instead of fighting crime, and there's a kind of a romance between uh, his character and another character, um, uh, Elliot, Elliot Page's character um, in that film, and they're you, yeah, well yeah, <laughs> and, and they're talking about um, like the reality of being a superhero and and the and this idea that things must happen between the frames. And there's this romance right. scene where Elliot Page is getting closer to Rain Wilson. She's like, is that where we are now? Are we between the frames? Like literally, if you imagine like the panels of a, oh, of a comic interesting. book. Oh, interesting, yeah, yeah. And for me, The Last of Us, I was going to write the script about how the interesting thing about The Last of Us is what happens between the frames or between the panels and how much of it we're not told but can immediately learn from where the characters arrive regardless of what, like yeah. the, the, the destination rather than that journey. And for me, all that a TV show has to do is find interesting ways uh, for talented actors to bring those characters to life, even if it's the, the, with their own spin, and indulge in that journey that those characters go on, which is like, yeah, use the use the kind of iconic set pieces and the climactic scenes to be milestones and to be checkpoints along that journey. But all I really need to see, for me personally, is eight hours or ten hours of that journey. Because the bits that I remember about The Last of Us are like, Joel and Ellie just walking along and getting to know each other, like arriving in Billstown, and you have that amazing scene where they're walking down that abandoned street, all the storefronts, and it's like sunset, and everything's the shade of orange. And yes, you are about to discover that Bill has trip-mined the entire town and, <laughs> you know, got to get pulled upside down by a chain and, and all this fucked-up shit, but, like, there are really quiet, beautiful moments in that game, and that's what I want to see this capture. Yeah. Um, as well as some of the... <laughs> like inherent like terror and uncertainty of the environment there's a, i will say there's one for anyone that doesn't want to watch all of chernobyl there's one specific episode that i think you've Chernobyl that i think you can watch on its own that i think is a really interesting insight for like where the last of us can go and chris i don't know if you remember but it's the one with the three soldiers who are tasked to go out into the abandoned towns and like kill dogs basically yeah because they can yeah. they're, they're nuclear for want of a better word <laughs> really <laughs> interesting yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry about I that. Think, um, no, I think I think you're absolutely right. Like the, um, I think one of the best examples I ever saw of it was um, I enjoyed uh, Star Wars Rogue One, and mm. they did a wicked job of creating this entire. Um, I know, like Star Wars, going to be crazy in the last few years with like <laughs> you know other stories, but Rogue One did a great job of going. This is an untold story you had no idea about, and it finishes perfectly where A New Hope starts. And uh, Darth Vader gets on board the ship and captures like Princess Leia yeah. and you know uh, R2D2 sent off with the plans. But but you, it's weird because with Rogue One you knew exactly where they had to finish the film, so it's almost like well this is going to be kind of dull because you know how it ends up anyway. So what's the point? But they have such an interesting interwoven story that you know could have loads of um, connotations and everything. But it doesn't devalue the story at all that you know how the how it ends up. So yeah. I think Jamie, you're absolutely right. Like that hundred mile hundreds of mile journey where you see them arrive on the highway. That you could even have like a Rogue One esque um, entire series 
of uh, The Last of Us happen in that 100 miles, just because you know where they started and where they end up, it doesn't mean you know anything about the journey they took. Um, And actually, it's funny, immediately when we started talking about it, uh, another great series jumped to mind, which is, which this trailer doesn't, I don't think does justice, because Last of Us is a road movie, right? It's people, um, it's uh, people on the road getting from A to B and what they go through. And like Sweet Tooth, I absolutely loved, I thought was a fantastic TV show. And Sweet Tooth was a road movie about a guy, you know, a gunsling, an old guy who takes a child and had, tries to get him where he needs to go and deliver him to safety. And every episode was uh, a, a step on that journey and the stories that happened. And it didn't diminish, it wouldn't diminish it knowing, for example, like where Sweet Tooth ends up. It just, it's because you still don't know what happens on every mm. step of that way. So yeah. I think it could be phenomenal, but this trailer kind of worried me a little bit. Interesting. Uh, time will tell, I guess. Uh, we won't find <laughs> out until sometime next year, but um, it's definitely going to be an interesting one. It's also going to be great to see whether this does sort of like reach a wider audience than just fans of the game and sort of launches The Last of Us as an IP into sort of stratospheric heights in terms of popularity in the same way a lot of other HBO shows have been able to do. Um, yeah. Guys, we talked about Google Stadia earlier and the yeah. sort of hint of inevitability around what happened to it and its uh, ultimate fate. Inevitability of that nature does surround other projects, not necessarily services, but other or other titles, other games. But eventually, as we saw, say, I don't know, Cyberpunk back in uh, the fall of uh, 2020, um, you get to a point where you're just like, this has been through so many you know, shitty like moments in its lifespan and its life cycle, yeah. but surely we're close enough now that they're just going to draw a line under it and release this thing. Um, and that's what many people would be forgiven for thinking was the case with Ubisoft skull and bones. <laughs> but lads, we discovered in the past week that at the last minute, um, just, I don't even know when it was scheduled for, um, that sometime next month it was meant to yeah, come out. November, yeah. Lot, yeah. It has now been delayed by an additional four months all the way back. Um, until March of 2023. Um, it's one of those things where it's like, uh, I would I would phrase the question, are you surprised? But it's almost like, yeah. are you surprised, not necessarily given the project, but given how close we were to finally seeing this thing, given the fact that a, um, a pr- hands-on time for the press was scheduled mere days before this announcement, given the time that a, um, a closed technical test, I believe, took place at some point in the last week or two, um, but do, do you think that maybe it's a result of that close technical technical test, though? Very, very possibly. That, that's possible. that's the main overriding feeling I'm getting. That like all the feedback was like, "Nah, mate, this is shit. Go fix it." But like, <laughs> but like you, you no, but you say about now. being so close, though. Fucking hell! I mean, you brought up Cyberpunk, Jamie. Cyberpunk had the fucking I, I, iconic fucking image of Johnny Silverhand holding up a silver CD because they fucking went gold. A, a yep. gold CD because they went gold. And it still got delayed. So yeah, no, yeah, nothing like that, regardless of the developer or the game, should ever surprise us. But yeah, I, I think this from the fucking playtest, man. Honestly, it's very plus, possible. Plus, I think there's that element of, like I'd mentioned before, of the producers, where it might actually make more financial sense for them to just fail at every, at every hurdle for this game, <laughs> and to just never have it come out or just be a complete failure. It's kind of, okay, is it good in a way though? Because Ubisoft have a little track record in recent history of just when something's obviously not going that well, just popping it out, not really talking about it and then just being like, oh yeah, that came out, didn't you play it? And so the fact that they're actually 
delaying it and trying, well, and assuming trying to get, you know, the best version of the game possible. I, I, I'm kind of hopeful that actually, no, it's going to be surprising. Skull and Bones will come out. We'll all be pleasantly surprised. And it'll be like, oh, there was just a technical issue that, like, that meant that that's yeah. why they delayed it till March. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, four months is not like in the grand scheme of things. The, no, the exactly. amount of delays that's gone through is not. Exactly, right? End of the world. Yeah, it was uh, but- originally first due out in 2018. <laughs> so. Yeah. I, I just like. It, my heart goes out for the people involved, like the, the on the ground devs, rather than say like Ubisoft themselves, because how how can you spend so much time working on a project that clearly no one loves and has almost like become a bit of a like the butt of the the current the butt of the current Ubisoft joke, right? Where it's like, Stuff. oh, no one wants no, no one wants this game. Like you got you got industry insiders, like you got fucking. Fuck, I, what Tom Henderson, fucking Jason Trier, all these people just commenting on like how no one wants this game and how it looks shit. And yet, you know, fair play to Ubisoft. They're fucking, well, they have to because they're contractually obliged, but they're powering through, right? It's weird though, because we talked before about with Stadia, how everyone, um, it was almost like a <laughs> self-fulfilling prophecy. I do, I do worry that sometimes everyone's saying, "Oh, it's the it's the it's the piece of shit, it's the butt of the joke that no one wants." And now, but how many times does it take for people of that sort of caliber or out there in the public saying stuff that's going to almost make it happen? Right. So then, make skull and bones become oh, the, even the de- the devs are reading stuff about how um, how mired it is in problems and how everyone thinks it's a joke and how it's never going to get released. And how much does that affect the product? You know, does that affect the production? Not production, but does it affect yeah, must 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 affect the morale the of perception. the perception. Yeah, and the perception and stuff. When at the end of the day, like we keep saying these days, let them finish the game, let the game get done. Let's not look at stuff before it's ready and then try and pass judgment. Like it yeah. happens I, so often these I, days. I feel there's there's an element of that, but there's also the other element, which is something that Jamie and I have kind of like spoken about many times on this podcast, in terms of like just fucking learning from the blueprints of the the corpses of the mistakes laying behind you. You know, yeah, but I suppose every game's different, right? In a way, but you talk about games as a service, like they're different to a point, but they latch on to the same loops. And there's quite quite a clearly defined blueprint there that people still keep a fucking fucking up. But I, I wonder if Skull and Bones is almost one of those cases where it's like it was too far along to learn from that blueprint as that blueprint, like it was being drawn up while at the same time as Skull and Bones was being drawn up, right? Especially in like Ubisoft's recent history, this is the game that has been around for a long time. Like I saw a tweet the other day from someone who worked on Assassin's Creed um, and said they tweeted saying that they remembered the day where they wrapped up Assassin's Creed Three and sent the source mm-hmm. code over to Singapore. Assassin's Creed Three came out in 2012, um, so some iteration of Skull and Bones has been around for ten years. Like it's very, and I wonder how like how mean, hard it is do you mean to. Assassin's, Assassin's Creed Four. I, the the tweet flag. I saw, the tweet I saw said three, three. But that makes no sense. Well, the, the three does have like boat stuff in it. It's just not the whole game like flaggers. Yeah, I guess. So. Uh, but anyway, that was the tweet I saw. I, I don't know what the. Well, because it was yeah, because it was could have been, uh, could have been a uh, like a mistype, a typo. Because right. because well, three was definitely the the um, the framework for um, Black Flag, which was then the framework for. Yeah. This right, so so I guess if you if you follow that thread, then I guess it's been around since the yeah. beginning development of three, right? 
basically either way like it's one of those ones that's tough to adapt to but like, then like well, uh, that, that in a way then that makes it even worse because oh then, it's good then, just... no yeah but, but because then like the people in charge of planning it and everything they fucking like what a fucking failure that they've been fucking pushing this through oh yeah for, for that amount it's, of time it's, un- it's undoubtedly a failure but when you've got a multi-million dollar failure on your hands that can still recoup some money you don't just like you know put it in the in the attic you put it you you make as much money out of it as you possibly can and clearly it's something think, ubisoft yeah. believes that this four months could be you know the difference in some profit margin somewhere like they're willing to spend another four months of studio time on it which is interesting yeah. and they I'm probably sure. thought the same about hyperscape and fucking roller champion whatever it was fucking yeah. roller well roller, I, I roller ding dongs i think the thing that i can see this following the trajectory of is perhaps more of like a rider's republic the thing I have to keep reminding myself about Skull and Bones every time I sit on the PlayStation Store is that this is not a free-to-play title. This is a title that costs seventy pounds on the PlayStation Five. There's a version of it that costs nearly a hundred if you want to go all in. Um, but the thing it does have going for it, and it's the thing that Ubisoft are quite good at doing with most of their games, but not games like Far Cry or Assassin's Creed, is that this game they confirmed uh, this week will have an open beta prior to release. So there is one of those things, like a, like like Riders Republic, for example, where everyone who wants to play some amount of Skull and Bones completely for free will be able to, and you'll be able to make your own decision. And that has been a blessing in disguise for games in the past. It has been the death knell for games in the past, and we just can need to wait and see where this game is at in you know February, March, whenever that whenever that beta hits. Yeah. <sighs> Is it stupid that I'm still a little bit like, wow, this game could be fucking wicked? <laughs> I don't think it's stupid. Am I being ridiculous? I don't think it's stupid. Am I being ridiculous? Um, no, I don't think... I, this, I, that's, do you remember the first time playing Assassin's Creed? Assassin's Flag. Do you remember the first time playing Assassin's Creed 3 and playing those sections and thinking like, Jesus, this is well good. And then Black Flag came out and it was like, yes, this is just cool. That Why yeah. isn't there like a fully fledged... And I get that. And still there's a little part of me inside that's like... it. Is the, it, the is it taking this long because of that? The idea made sense. Yeah, but, yeah. But there's there's a lot that needs to happen. Um, and as someone who played like five hours of Assassin's Creed Black Flag, uh, like two weeks ago, because um, I was <laughs> bored. Uh, um, as soon as you start to think to yourself, like, "Oh, how much would I be enjoying this game if I like could only get out of the boat to walk around these very small environments to collect quests and then immediately get back on a boat, um, for yeah. example. And there's um, another there's another question to that, which, to be fair, is only a small portion of gamers, I guess. But would you want to do that, or would you just want to play Sea of Thieves? That's another you know. good point. Like, but the Sea of Thieves, the, I mean, I don't know. I haven't played Sea of Thieves since so I played it, it with you guys. There is potential to be very, very different. different. Yeah, there's potential to be very different. But like, like in, that that loot, the cycle in that to me got old super quick. Yeah, sure. And uh, but hey, by all means, in the new seasons, they've been adding tons of stuff since we last played. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. But, well, lads, but see, see, sorry, Jamie, to go to Sea of Thieves. That was another one that we thought like I don't get why people would play this, and yet. It was a success, so yeah. Know. What are they like? Well, season the, nine now, or whatever. The nice thing, I guess, about Sea of Thieves is that it was able to come out, it was able to do its thing, it was able to find its audience, and certainly Skull and Bones will be hoping to do the same thing. You know, delays be damned. It will hope to come out. It will hope to find an audience and uh, see what it can do on its own two feet. Um, where things get a little bit dicey 
is where the prospects for a game even releasing um, start to look a little bit shaky. And that may well be the case for a planned sequel to one of the uh, best-reviewed games of the last handful of years, Disco Elysium. As in the last week, we've learned that some key developers from the original game have left the studio and subsequently exited development of that sequel involuntarily is the key word that is being thrown around. So I thought we'd break down this a little bit before we wrap up this podcast. Um, a lot of this comes from a guy called Martin, I apologize for the pronunciation, but Luiga. Um, there's sure, a lot yeah. of very hard to pronounce names in this uh, new story, so just bear with me, who was apparently an editor on the uh, on the acclaimed game. And he basically put out a Medium post this week talking yeah. about uh, sort of his updates and uh, some wider studio updates uh, as they related to kind of a weird sort of separate group that was kind of attached to the game studio but not attached to the game studio. The, the ins and outs of it are a bit complicated, but the bottom line is that um, himself... Writer-designer Robert Kurvitz, who is like the head honcho who wrote the book that was set in the Disco Elysium world prior to this and designed and wrote everything in the game. Another writer called Helen Hiddenappear and a lead art and design developer called Alexander Rostov have all left the company um, and in some cases haven't worked at the company since the end of last year. Um, The quote was, (laughs) I would note that neither Kurvitz, Hiddenappear nor Rostov are working there since the end of last year and their leaving the company was involuntary. Um, and uh, subsequent comments um, from Luiga himself appear to have pointed fingers at essentially the money men involved uh, in the game, the suits. Apparently the first ever person to get convicted of some kind of fraud, I can't remember what it was, but some kind of like monetary fraud in Estonia <coughs> is is like an executive producer <laughs> of this game. He was mentioned, um, not quite by name, but I think a picture of him was shared um, alongside all these other posts. Uh, and of course, all of this is happening alongside the development of a sequel, but also other deals being cut on the side, like uh, broad spanning merch deals. There was, of course, a deal to sell the rights uh, for a TV show that would be produced by Amazon. So the implication here is that the money men are fiddling around with what's going on, <laughs> and the key creatives, arguably the driving force behind the original, have now uh, left the building, which is, well, a shame to say the least, and a concern for the future of the sequel. Yeah, yeah, massively so. Like, it, I think it's really hard to not um, just think that the next game that comes out, like the sequel to Disco Elysium, is just gonna might as well be made by a completely different team. Like, right? Because it, it basically is. Like, there's a weird thing that you know, oh, it's made by the same, it's made by the same developers. So, is it therefore not going to be you know a legitimate sequel? And you're like, well, no, because if they've just dropped the you know the main dude and then the second most important person and probably the third most important person. <laughs> then you've effectively ended up with or end up with a team which could just, but you know, it's Disco Elysium in name alone and actually doesn't feel like it, doesn't play like it, doesn't sound like it. And it's, and then, but you're, but then people are fans of the first game are just going to buy it because they're like, yeah, this is the sequel. Of course it's going to yeah, be. Yeah, because some people might not know any of the turmoil that happens before. Right. They would have, yeah. they would have played Disco Elysium, first one, enjoyed the fuck out of it. Hear that Disco Elysium 2 is on the shelves, go and buy it. Like simple as for a lot yeah. of people, you know. And that's that's the kind of weird thing about all of these developments. Um right. it's kind of unfair. The other the other part that's potentially unfair is um starting a game like a sequel, etc. You'd imagine that it, at least in broad strokes, they would have nailed down the story that they wanted to tell and mm. then start the development. So it's almost like that work has been done. 
Yes, uh, some of that oh, was hinted by Liga. Yeah, um, yeah who said like, that. Yeah, he said that progress on the new game was quote sweet enough, and that the, but the sequel might take quote a shit ton of time to release yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm sure there's like you know, obviously with any kind of creative endeavor, there's loads and loads and loads of iterative process um, that now would not be done by the right people that needed to do it in order to get it to that sweet spot. But mm-hmm. yeah. Sucks, man. Yeah, but, hey, it, I, I haven't played Disco Elysium. You guys have, so you probably have more of a take on this than I do. Well, it comes down to that really interesting thing that we talked about a little bit with Rockstar um, the other week uh, when discussing the potential for GTA Six, which is just no one wants to buy too heavily into authorship in video games and the power that one individual or a handful of individuals can have over a project that might, in the end, involve hundreds of people. But at the same time, there are games in the coming years that are going to answer those questions, like what happened when what happens when those people vacate the building. Um, you know, in some cases, we get answers like, "What does Metal Gear look like without Kojima?" And the answer was, "Metal Gear Survive." You could argue that wasn't a fully fledged attempt, but it's still an example. We get to see very soon what's GTA look like with the houses and Leslie Benzies. And now, is it going to be a similar style question? What does Disco Elysium look like without, for example, Robert Kurvitz, who all of this was his brainchild. My initial concern, though, is is one of is runs far deeper than some of those others because, and Josie, you'll be able to test this as well a little bit. Like Robert Kurvitz's writing style, um, his world building, um, it was so unique. Um, like watching or, or reading or listening to the dialogue, for example, from Disco Elysium is almost unlike anything else I've experienced in games and. I worry that anyone else who comes in to even try to do a similar job will end up a sort of like mimicry in a way that might be noticeable um, and distracting. And I hope that doesn't end up being the case. Um, yeah, this is one, I, again, you, I, like I said at the top, like you don't like the idea of buying into authorship in games, but he has such a singular, unique voice that felt so present in that first game that I don't know what this looks like without that anymore. It's... It- I mean, you're right, because I think we talk about it a lot. And there's a weird way, you can, even, you can almost see it more obviously in reverse. When you look at teams of people that have left developers and gone to form their own teams to make other games, and then you end up with games that look very similar to games we all love and enjoy. And you say, oh, it's, and then you realise it's because, oh, there was, a, there was a look, there was a flavour, and that's what they were good at. And I think Disco Elysium is going to be that on steroids, because as you said, Jamie, it had a very particular look. It had a very particular style. And I know you guys hate when I say this sort of thing, but Disco Elysium is not, it's not like a game like Halo is a game, or it's not like a game like uh, even, even like the, um, the Last of Us is a game. There, the, there isn't very little gameplay. It's a point and click, like interactive adventure story. But the thing that does all of the heavy lifting is the amazing writing, the world that exists. It feels like that. It feels like, Robert Kurbitz, the the writer, had an entire like world in his head that he knew, and he knew how everything interacted, and it built um and it was a very engaging story, and it may it took you along for the ride, and it took me right from the beginning to the end of the game. And as you just said, Jamie, if you take him out of that, and someone else walks in and says, "Oh no, don't worry, I can I can make a sequel," I'm like, "Can you? Can you? Can like, you? <laughs> it's like." It's like someone trying to finish off a series of books uh, from a from like a like a lord. For me, it would be like maybe Lord of the Rings or um, uh, or like uh, Star Wars or something like that. Oh, and and with, those um, things often go badly. Was it Steve Larson's Millennium series? Oh like yeah. Someone someone else just right. started writing those. The girl with the dragon tattoo. 
um, stuff. Ja- ja- James Bond. <laughs> yeah. They, yeah. You know, like Ian yeah. Fleming dies and then they get someone else to write a few books and like... Mm. I feel yeah. like if you've got to make a, a sequel to like a Call of Duty or a Halo, then it's easier to ha- hire people that are very good at doing first-person yeah, shooters. Totally. Or you can hire people that are very good at doing driving mechanics. And, and you can, even if you can't get the same feel, you can actually improve upon that in a sequel because people say, holy shit, the people you've hired for this are amazing. Like Grand Theft Auto 6 might be the most amazing GTA ever made, not because of the things it's lacking, but because of the new things that are introduced into it because of, you know, yeah. stuff's a bit, like- a bit different. It's interesting because the uniqueness of, like, say someone like Robert Kurvitz's skill set applies to that so much that or you can even then push it in the other direction, which is that, like, if a studio announced that Robert Kurvitz had, like, joined them and they just hired him, I'd be like, that's potentially interesting. But until I know what they're making, I've <laughs> I, like, he's not going to make any old game better. He's going to make very certain kinds of games better, mm, depending on yes. the amount of creative control you give him. But, like... Yeah, I don't know. Like, I can't think of a a funny example right now. But like, yeah. Um, What's the bet? Any that these three uh, who have been involuntarily made to leave the company uh, in about a week, you're going to hear of a new studio that they've set up. I mean, I hope so. But then Robert Kurvitz's career is so weird. Like, <laughs> like he, from like stuff like he he. He was like, he's like, you read his Wikipedia, it's fascinating. He's like this alcoholic Estonian guy who's had all these ideas in his head his whole life and everything he's like ever done has failed from like failed rock bands <laughs> to like a novel that still hasn't been translated out of Estonian that is in the Disco Elysium universe and contains characters from the game, but no one can read it yet. Um, and well, like, Estonian's and, can. And, and, well, Estonian's can, but it sold a thousand copies in Estonia and it, it was right. a complete failure. And he went stump tumbled further into alcoholism until like his friend's kid said, what if you turn it into a video game? And they were like, and the, apparently the conversation they had was like, we failed at everything thus far. Why don't we just fail at a video game as well? And they made Disco Elysium. Um, and so like, I, I'm fascinated Jesus. to know what a man with that life trajectory does next. Because um, again, like, I'll say it again, like Disco Elysium, the more I reflect on Disco Elysium over the years, the more I, there is something very uniquely special about that game. Um, and like, I, I still, I still have it installed on Steam because I feel like I need to load it up every few months and just like re resubmerge myself in that world because there's just kind of not much else like it. Um, and that's I why gotta, I, I got to get best. on it, man. I got to get on it. it. It's, it's, yeah, it's really quite something. One of the, it's funny because I'd actually say one of the, the biggest shames about this is that. Um, they're not going to make a Disco Elysium sequel um, with the same caliber of writing. Well, maybe not fair to say the same caliber of writing, but with different writers, but at the same time that they can't learn from their things that it didn't do right. So for yeah. me, for example, one of the biggest things was like, you, it became quite obvious that the, the there was no branching narrative. Um, the narrative was the narrative and at certain, you could fail at certain points and you could succeed at certain points and some characters might be there, some characters might not be there, but actually the story was the story and there's not a lot you could do around that. It would have been really interesting to have more of a branching narrative, especially toward the back end of the game. I know mm-hmm. that stuff's very difficult. You know, just look at Jesus Christ a thousand times that game developers have tried to do that and, and have messed it up, but it would have been cool to see that game gamified a little bit more Um and to have a few more elements like that thrown in, but we're never going to see it now because it's going to be done by a different team who may do a fantastic job. So I won't say they're not going to do a we'll good see. job. We'll see. We'll see. It's um, just going to be rough either way, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be an interesting period of time as we find out what the future is. As you mentioned, like both for uh, Disco Elysium and the studio as it exists at the moment and also the people that have left and whatever uh, endeavours they 
uh, get stuck into in the future. Um, but you know what? No one has involuntary, voluntary. I'm sure people have involuntarily exited the listening of this podcast, but no <laughs> one has involuntarily exited the casting of this pod because we're all still here. And unless anything, uh, there's anything else that either of you two have to add to this wondrous uh, journey through the past week in video gaming news, I think I might put a bow on it. I Do think, it. Yeah, I think put a bow on it, mate. It's, right, be, it's been stuff. a good time. It's been fun. It's been a good time. Chickity China, the Chinese chicken. Yeah, have a drumstick and the podcast ends with me saying thank you so much for watching and or listening no matter what, what, you, what you've been doing. Remember, you can watch it on YouTube if you want to. You can leave a comment if you're there. You can listen to it on podcasting platforms. You can support us on patreon.com forward slash super show. There's loads of fun stuff that you can do. I hope that you endeavor to do something fun, even if it's not super show related. Just live a little, you know. Um, stretch your legs and put your feet up and just 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 enjoy life is what i guess what i'm saying right just ah just you know just take a deep breath like breathe just breathe in through the nose and breathe out yeah. through the mouth and just, just <sighs> live live in the moment i think is what you're trying to say all right thanks chris thanks josie <laughs> cheers guys take it easy bye see you guys next week bye see ya bye <laughs>